Hello there, welcome back to Wrestling Highlights of the Week, presented by My Two Cents Podcast, hosted by G2. I am G2. I am here to bring you Wrestling Highlights of the Week for Raw, SmackDown, NXT, AEW Dynamite, AEW Rampage, and Impact Wrestling. And without further ado, let's start the show with Raw. Raw will open up with World Heavyweight Champion Seth Rollins coming down to the ring. Seth will talk about his world title defense later in the night against Damian Priest. Seth will say that he is keeping his word when he said last week that he wants to fight the best, and that's what's going to happen. Seth will get interrupted by Finn Balor and Damian Priest. There will be talk between the three men, and the gist of it would be Damian Priest saying that Seth needs to worry about him and not the rest of Judgment Day. Seth would tell Priest that if he is a man of his word, then have Judgment Day be banned from ringside. Finn wouldn't like it, but Priest would agree to it because he doesn't need Judgment Day to beat Seth. So we have that stipulation added to the world title matchup here. Finn in this segment didn't like Priest giving Seth Rollins props earlier for calling Seth a credible champion and agreeing to go at Seth alone in his match later in the night. So Finn, he just didn't like it. Now, after this, we get the first match of the night, which is a Money in the Bank qualifying matchup between Becky Lynch and Sonya Deville, who will have Chelsea Green in her corner. Zoe Starks and Trish Stratus would be watching the match from the entrance stage, but Becky would win the match by pinfall by catching Sonya off the turnbuckle and hitting her with the manhandle slam for the win. Now, after this, we will have a backstage situation with Kevin Owens and Sammy. They'll talk about the bloodline. They'll talk about what happened on SmackDown with Solo turning on Jimmy, and again, Sammy and Kevin Owens will say, you know what, that's no longer our business anymore, and you see Imperium walk up on them, Kevin Owens, he's just so upset because he likes his wrestling tropes, he said, we didn't call you guys, we don't, we didn't ask for you, you know how this stuff kind of works, right, so then Gunther will walk in, Gunther will tell Kevin Owens that he needs to relax, he needs to learn some self-control, some discipline, Kevin Owens will get so irritated by that, that he'll just tell Gunther, you know what, we can settle this problem right now. There's a ring out there. There's thousands of people that wants a fight. So we're going to go out there. We're going to do it right now. So we will get Kevin Owens with Sami Zayn in his corner going against Gunther, who has Imperium in his corner. That match will happen. Gunther would win the match by pinfall thanks to interference from Imperium. When Kevin Owens was looking to hit Gunther with a stunner, Giovanni Vinci would stand on the ring apron, but Sami would pull him down and start brawling with him. Ludwig Kaiser would go over to aid Giovanni and Kevin Owens would leave the ring to help out Sammy. Kevin Owens will go after Ludwig and then throw him in the ring and hit him with a stunner. This will allow Gunther to roll up Kevin Owens for the win. So this gives Imperium a win over Kevin Owens and Sammy Zayn. Now we will go to the back where Matt Riddle is being interviewed. He would mention how he wasn't out there to help out Kevin Owens and Sammy. Then you will see Giovanni Vinci and Ludwig Kaiser kind of go over and just start messing around with Riddle. Riddle wouldn't take kind of this, so he would just beat up on Ludwig, throw him around, and then he'll grab Giovanni Vinci and trap him in an ankle lock. You will have backstage officials separate Riddle from Vinci. So you can kind of see where we're headed with this. More than likely, Riddle's going to have an Intercontinental Championship match against Gunther. Somewhere down the line, probably say Money in the Bank. Now, after this, we will have Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler going against Katana Chance and Caden Carter. This is Caden Carter and Katana Chance first Night on Monday Night Raw since the draft, since they were drafted over to Raw here. They will put up a good fight against Ronda and Shayna, but Ronda and Shayna would win the match by submission when Shayna will lock in the Coquina Clutch on Caden Carter and Caden would tap out. Again, good showing 
from Caden and Katana here. So I hope that they continue to get more airtime on the main roster now since having a match with Ronda Rousey isn't always the best thing. And what I mean by that, you can get a good match at some of the female wrestlers. You have to be a special talent to get a good match out of Ronda Rousey usually. I mean, Charlotte's able to do it because she's Charlotte Flair. Uh, Becky was able to do it because she's Becky. You got... It just takes the right opponent to get a good match out of Ronda here. And for Kaden and uh, Katana to get a good match out of Ronda, that tells you they're, they should be on television more. That's all I'm trying to get at with this. Getting a good match out of Shayna is not that hard because Shayna is actually a wrestler. She's actually trained and she went through the whole process with NXT and even did some independent wrestling. So Shayna Baszler, not a problem to get a good match out of her. Just getting Ronda is just hard, so... Congrats to Kaden and uh, Katana for getting a good match out of Ronda Rousey on Monday Night Raw. Now, next match up was Ricochet going against Shinsuke Nakamura. The match would end in a no contest when Bronson Reed would come down to the ring and attack both men. Bronson's upset because he lost to Shinsuke Nakamura last week, and both Nakamura and Ricochet would kind of clown Bronson before they came out to have their match. So Bronson is just out here to get his retribution against both of these men. Now, after this, it's time for Miz TV. Miz would be out here with his guest, Cody Rhodes. Miz would talk to Cody about challenging Brock Lesnar last week for a fight in any city that he's in. Miz would call that stupid. Cody would say that Brock is on his hibernation, so we won't be seeing him anytime soon. Miz would then bring out a special guest that, like Cody, is a second-generation superstar and outwalks Dominic Mysterio with Rhea Ripley. Dom would say that Cody is a bad father because he should be home nursing his arm and being with his daughter, but instead he is here and he's like his father, Rey Mysterio. Cody will tell Dom that he has a point. He isn't a perfect father. He isn't perfect. And he knows he's made mistakes, just like Rey has because he's looking at Rey's biggest mistake right now. Dom would slap Cody across the face, then hide behind Rhea Ripley. Rhea and Dom would leave the ring. Cody would see the Miz laughing. Cody would knock out Miz by hitting him in the head with his cast. And that's how this ends. So while Brock is away right now, we're going to get that match with Cody versus Brock, more than likely at SummerSlam. I can see Cody probably getting a match with Dominic either next week or probably another week after that. Probably or even Money in the Bank, to be truly honest with you. But we'll have to wait and see. Now, after this, was another Money in the Bank qualifying matchup here. Zoe Starks with Trish Stratus in her corner. Going against Natalia. Zoe would win the match by pinfall thanks to interference from Trish. When Natalia and Zoe would be outside of the ring, Natalia would have control of the match up here and throw Zoe back into the ring. The ref would miss seeing Trish hit Natalia behind her leg and throwing her in the ring. This will allow Zoe to hit Natalia with the Z360 to win the matchup here. Now, the next matchup was supposed to be a tag match between Cedric Alexander and Shelton Benjamin going against Indy Sheer with Jinder Mahal, but that match never took place thanks to Indy Sheer attacking both Cedric and Shelton before the match even got underway, before the ref could even ring the bell. Indy Sheer will completely decimate Shelton and Cedric, so we're on the steady path of destruction of Indy Sheer here as they're on Raw being this new dominant tag team. At least that's what they wanted to portray to everyone in the Raw locker room and to the Raw audience. Now, off to the main event for the Raw Heavyweight Championship, Damian Priest going against champion Seth Rollins. Seth would win the match by pinfall when Priest went for the Razor's Edge, 
but Priest's right arm would give out. Dropping Seth, this would allow Seth to hit a combo of strikes before finishing off Priest with the curb stomp for the win. Now, there was a moment in this matchup here when Finn Balor would try to interfere, but Seth would catch him with a super kick, and Priest would be able to dominate after that, but he would look at Finn on the outside and ask him, why are you here? And with that, you just kind of can see the cracks is already starting to fold or starting to build in Judgment Day. I mean, at the beginning of the show, you had Finn not liking Priest, just agreeing to Seth's terms, and now you have this of Priest questioning Finn and why he's out here because Priest was supposed to handle Seth by himself because Damien Priest feels that he can win the title without any help for the Judgment Day. That's the kind of the characteristics of a good guy role while Damien Priest is supposed to be a bad guy while the rest of Judgment Day are a bad guy group. So you kind of tell where we're headed to with this of Damien more than likely leaving out of Judgment Day or he's going to get kicked out of Judgment Day within the next couple of weeks, but we're going to constantly build up the anticipation here. Now, after the matchup, you will see Finn get in the ring, and you will see him and Seth have a stare down, so you can kind of tell what's coming up at Money in the Bank, Finn versus Seth for the World Heavyweight Championship, since they're going to be in London. I can see Seth getting some cheers, but I can see Finn getting some cheers over there as well, but we'll have to wait and see when that match actually gets made official. Now, with that being said, that's your Raw Wrestling Highlights of the Week. Now, moving over to NXT. Before I get into NXT's results for this week, next week it was announced that Idris and Afe will be going against Malik Blade because they want to build up their tag team chemistry after they saw the work that it did for Tank Ledger and Hank Walker, as well as a NXT Heritage Cup match between Noam Dar and Nathan Frazier. Now, to start off NXT, we'll have Baron Corbin Coming down to the ring to explain why he is back in NXT. Baron will talk about how the NXT wrestlers come up to main roster and they feel that they are entitled. They feel like this whole industry owes them something. And he basically just calls the, well, the wrestlers soft. This generation of wrestlers soft compared to when he was down in NXT, when he was down in developmental, building up from FCW to NXT or what we know of today. Baron will be playing the role of old head veteran, and he is sick of them. Corbin will say that it starts at the top, and that's why he got at Carmelo Hayes, since he is the NXT World Champion. Then we would get Ilya Dragunov coming down to the ring, and Ilya would introduce himself to Baron. Ilya will let Baron know that he isn't soft, and he is gunning Carmelo because he is an NXT champion. Baron will let Ilya know that he has wrestled at six manias, and he was the last guy to pin Roman Reigns, so he's not technically afraid of Ilya. And Ilya would throw out the challenge to face Corbin later in the night, and Baron would accept. Now, Ilya would leave the ring. Trick Williams would attack Baron Corbin from behind. Trick Williams would clothesline Baron out of the ring. Baron would try to get back in, but you would see backstage officials and referees make sure Baron would not go back to the ring, and Baron would just go to the back. Now, once we go to the back, we will see Braun Breaker standing over Ilya Dragunov's body, and Ilya is just writhing in pain. Braun will explain why he did what he did. Braun would say that he didn't like that Ilya said that he was the most intense guy in NXT. So it was basically big dog versus another big dog territory. So that's the reason why Braun attacked Ilya. So instead of Baron Corbin facing off against Ilya Dragunov in the night, it will now be changed over to Baron Corbin going against Trick Williams. 
Now, to start the show off for the first match, it will be a six-person mixed tag match of the Schisms, the Dyad, and Ava Rain, going against the Creeds and Ivy Nile. The Schism would win the match by pinfall when Ivy will have Ava locked in the Dragon Sleeper. James Drake will come in and get Ivy off of Ava. Ivy would then lock Drake in the Dragon Sleeper, and the referee would try to get Ivy off Drake. When Ivy does let go, Ivy will go back to Ava, but this time Ava will have her on her Schism mask, and she would headbutt Ivy now, basically knocking out Ivy. Ava would then throw the mask out of the ring, cover Ivy to win the match for the Schism, and that's what we have here. Now, in this match, you saw the Creeds do amazing things. Again, this further proves my point of I don't know why the Creeds are in NXT. They can just easily go up to the main roster and just dominate the tag team division up there and have excellent matches up there. But I still don't understand why they haven't done it, but I'll have to wait and see for that. But the main thing that I took away from this is that Ava Rain, again, she's still green. She still needs time in the ring. She still needs to be in front of the crowd more for her to get better. And that's the only way for people in these positions, the way that Ava's in her position right now with the schism, with them getting the time that they're getting. Ava needs to be in the ring so she can enhance herself, get better in front of performing in front of the people. To my knowledge, this is like her only her second match. The first one was at NXT Stand and Deliver in Hollywood. This one is her legit second match on television. So again, I hope that they give her more matches on TV so she can at least get more comfortable being in the ring. Now, after this, we have Blair Davenport going against Danny Palmer. Blair Davenport would win the match by pinfall by hitting the Komagoye, which is a double wrist lock, knee to the face, and then hit the Falcon Arrow for the win. This is Blair Davenport's return match from being on the injury list for a good amount of months. So this was basically a showcasing to let everyone know what Blair Davenport is all about. So Blair's here. She won her match. Now, after this, it's time for Baron Corbin to go against Trick Williams. Baron would win the match by pinfall when Trick Williams would go for a cyclone kick, but his leg would tweak and he couldn't connect. This will allow Baron Corbin to hit end of days for the win. So Baron gets his first win back on NXT. And it was made official that next week, Baron Corbin will be going against Ilya Dragunov. So we will get that match. Now, after this, we will have Mustafa Ali going against Joe Gacy. Ali would win the match by pinfall by hitting a 450 splash on Gacy to win the match. After the match, the Dyad would come out and attack Ali. Tyler Bate and Wesley would come out to even the odds, making the schism retreat. And it was made official that next week, the schism will be going against Mustafa Ali, Tyler Bate, and NXT North American champion, Wesley. Now, Mustafa Ali made it abundantly clear that he is a free agent, so he can show up on any show that he wants, and that he is planning on winning championships. So, that's the reason why he is here in NXT, and more than likely, he's probably going to be gunning for the North American championship, because if you're teaming with Wes, you kind of know what the deal is next, so... Again, more likely the NXT North American Championships on his radar. Now, after this, we have Eddie Thorpe going against Damon Kemp. Eddie would win this match by pinfall in a way. Because when Eddie would hit Damon with a German suplex next to the turnbuckle, he would hit it, he will hold it for pinning a combo, and Damon would get his foot on the second rope, but the referee wouldn't see it. So the ref would count it to three, which would give Eddie Thorpe the win. After the match, you would see Damon Kemp argue with the referee, saying that he had his foot on the ropes. 
the referee will say that he didn't see it. So this gives Damon Kemp more ammunition to basically keep on going at Eddie for saying that Eddie cheated or he never ever truly won a match against him. So that's where we're at at this moment with Eddie and Damon Kemp and their whole little rivalry that they're going on with right now. Now, after this, we have Scripps going against Dabakato. I wish to God they would just call Scripps uh, Reggie like he was on the main roster. Even Booker T on commentary said the man's name isn't Scripps, it's Reggie. So you could just tell Booker T doesn't even like the name Scripps. So that just tells you what you, all you need to know with that. But anywho, Scripps wouldn't win the match by pinfall after interference from Axiom. When Dabakato was looking to hit Scripps with a double-handed choke slam. Axiom would be on the top turnbuckle, and this would distract Daba. Daba would run towards Axiom. Axiom would jump off the top turnbuckle and land on his feet and leave the ring. This will allow Scripps to hit a springboard-style move from outside the ring to inside the ring on Daba and knock Daba kind of off his feet a little bit. You will see Scripps get Daba Kato in a roll-up pinfall to win the matchup here, so that's how Scripps would win the match. Now, after the match, you would see... Dabakato attacked both Axiom and Scripps, laying both men out. So this continues on with the David versus Goliath, two men going against one, Axiom and Scripps going against Dabakato. Now, off to the main event, the NXT Women's Battle Royal to determine who's going to be the number one contender for Tiffany Stratton's NXT Women's Championship. And the winner of the Battle Royal would be Thea Hale. Thea Hale would eliminate both Dana Brooke and Cora Jade at the exact same time to win the Battle Royal. So now she will be going against Tiffany Stratton for the NXT Women's Championship at a time when it will be announced. Now, this will be a surprise to everyone because Dana Brooke, she'll be coming down from Raw. She says that she's coming for the NXT Women's Championship. So you see a whole lot of free agents coming here. You think Dana Brooke's going to win it? Does it happen? Thea Hale ends up winning it. It's a good, feel-good moment because you see from Thea Hill's beginning, she's the, not going to say crybaby, but she's the inexperienced uh, female that comes into NXT, goes over to uh, Chase U, has her business with Chase U. She's always known as the Scrappy, like Scrappy-Doo, if you were to see Scooby-Doo, like the Scrappy-Doo, let me at him kind of bit. That's her whole deal with Chase U. She wants to get into the action, get into it all uh situation and that's her whole thing so now she's getting it into the mix and now she finally gets the big win that she's been searching for and this is it so now she has an opportunity for the nxt women's championship it's a feel-good moment you see all the chase you uh <laughs> classmates come down get in the ring hold up thea hell so happy you even get uh charlie dempsey and drew gulak who have been coming in to chase you to kind of toughen up the students and they took a particular to Thea Hale, and they've been toughening her up, and they were even standing on the entrance ramp, like, clapping for her. Same thing with Duke Hudson, who's been kind of been the man for Chase U since Andre Chase has been gone. So, seeing those three guys clapping it up for Thea Hale was pretty sweet. Now, after this would happen, we would go to the parking lot, and we would see Braun Breaker leaving the building, and as I said, they asked him, why did he tag Ilya, and it's all about dominance. He says that he's going to hold everybody accountable from the top to the bottom for what they've been saying. And then he directly looks into the camera and he starts making a challenge towards Seth Rollins. He tells Seth that Seth says that he's the workhorse of the WWE and he's the World Heavyweight Champion. Why doesn't he come down to NXT and 
put it up against Braun Breaker. So we have that challenge be made official. That's incredibly insane. And I just want to take this time to say this to everyone. If you have not been watching NXT, I would say start doing so right now. I understand certain people have not been watching NXT ever since the pandemic happened. And certain people probably were watching NXT during the pandemic, but then they start switching over whenever it turned from the black and gold era, the independent wrestlers that came in and dominated NXT to the now the talented uh, athletes from college football coming in or even the people that just want to make their own stars coming in and start doing their own thing in this 2021 rebrand of NXT to now. I understand why certain people moved away from the product. But if you are not paying attention to the product, please go to NXT and start paying attention now. You are getting a rough, rugged version of Braun Breaker who is out here just trying to absolutely massacre anyone. And he's challenging Seth Rollins, who's on a run of a lifetime. He got the crowd behind him. He is coming out here in some wildy outfits, but he's still able to straight up just compete at the top of the top. And you got this match is basically going to happen one way or another. There's no way that a fighting champion like Seth is going to turn down that match against Braun. So you know that match is going to happen somewhere, and I ain't going to front. I thought that match was going to happen somewhere down the line whenever Braun gets called up. But for them to make this, well, have Braun make this challenge towards Seth, and you know Seth is not going to back down, I just want to know when is that match going to happen. Hopefully we will get an answer, but we'll have to wait and see. But with that, that is your NXT Wrestling Highlights of the Week. And again, if you have not started watching NXT, start watching it because I promise you, you're going to start missing some good stuff that you'll probably have to go back and rewatch on Peacock instead of living it in the moment along with everyone else. So go watch NXT. Now moving over to AEW Dynamite. But before I talk about what happened on Dynamite, I do have to mention uh, a little bit of AEW news in conjunction with New Japan. New Japan, they had their pay-per-view last Saturday called Dominion. And on that pay-per-view, you had a couple of things that came out that involved AEW. First thing, Will Ospreay, who would be going against uh, Lance Archer, or Vance Archer, whatever they want to call him, over there in New Japan. And Will Ospreay beat Lance Archer. This was like their finals for the tournament to see who would be facing Kenny Omega for the IWGP United States Championship. Will Ospreay beats Archer, so it becomes official that Will Ospreay will be going against Kenny Omega at their Forbidden Door event, and it will be for the IWGP United States Championship, and this will be their second encounter this year. Also at Dominion, Blackpool Combat Club members John Moxley and Claudio Castagnoli went over to New Japan, and they teamed up with Shota Umino, who is John Moxley's like underling, his understudy. And they went against the never-openweight six-man tag champions of Kazushika Okada, Hiroshi Tanahashi, and Tomohiro Ishii. Uh, Blackpool Comic Club will come up short. Okada, Ishii, and Tanahashi will retain their never-openweight six-man tag titles. And after the match, John Moxley will get a microphone, and he will say that, Okada, we have a message for you. And they will play a message on the screen, and it's Brian Danielson. Brian Danson will let Okada know that he has heard for the past 10 years that people have said Okada is the greatest wrestler out there. And people have called Brian Danielson the litmus test of a professional wrestler. So the challenge was made for Forbidden Door. Brian Danielson going against Okada. And that match has been made official. So we will be getting that matchup. And finally, New Japan's own G1 tournament will include AEW's own Eddie Kingston. Eddie Kingston, he is a fan of Japanese wrestling. 
I mean, he's probably the biggest fan of Japanese wrestling on the AEW roster. If he's not the biggest fan, that man talks about it a lot on Twitter and social media. And anytime he gets the chance to talk about it. So this is a big dream for Eddie Kingston and anybody that's a fan of Eddie to see him now be a part of New Japan, be a part of this historic and traditional tournament that they have in New Japan. So Eddie Kingston is now a part of that. And I am happy that Kingston will be able to participate in that. But that's like the three big things on AEW side that happened on the New Japan pay-per-view. So I would suggest you go watch New Japan's uh, pay-per-view Dominions on their streaming service, New Japan World. It's it's a pretty good pay-per-view, to be completely honest with you. So go check it out. Now, on to AEW Dynamite News. First thing that I would like to announce is that Tony Khan would announce that on the first episode of Collision, the main event will be a six-man tag. Jay White teaming up with Juice Robinson and Samoa Joe going against the team of FTR and CM Punk. So CM Punk will be back in action, and he will be teaming up with his friends, FTR going against Joe and Bullet Club Gold. And it's kind of funny, because you would think in Chicago, you're going to hear CM Punk speak, but nope, they decided, you know what, we're just going to have him directly just wrestle in the main event it's a good way to start off collision to be honest with you as that being the main event but i think people are going to be clamoring for cm punk to speak whenever he gets the time to get a mic so that a match would be announced for a collision now on to the match results of what happened on dynamite first off we had the aew international championship matchup between swerve strickland with prince nana in his corner going against arch cassidy arch cassidy would retain his championship by pinfall when swerve will look to hit the jml driver but Orange would counter it into a roll-up pin. Swerve would counter it into his own pin and grab the tights of Cassidy. Cassidy would reverse it and grab Swerve's tights in a pin, and that's how Orange would retain his championship. Now, after the match, the rest of Mogul uh, Embassy will come down to the ring and attack Orange Cassidy until the lights will go out. And when the lights pop back on, Sting and Darby Allin would be in the ring holding baseball bats. The Mogul Embassy would be outside of the ring, and they would retreat to the back. Now, later in the night, it will be announced that next week we will get an eight-man tag of the Mogul Embassy going against Orange Cassidy, Darby Allen, Sting, and Keith Lee. So it seems that they're putting two storylines in one. Since Swerve and Keith Lee, they still have their business that they got to go through, and it seems that they want to start a new business with the Mogul Embassy and uh, Orange Cassidy slash Sting and Darby Allen. I like that they're giving the Mogul Embassy a lot of time. Again, Brian Cage is a part of that group. He deserves to have a lot of time because he is one of their big guys that once they signed him, he had a lot of uh, promise, but he just never ever was able to capitalize on that promise. Um, Same thing with Swerve. Swerve got signed last year. They did well with Swerve, but just for some reason, they just didn't capitalize on him towards the end of the year. I mean, they had him in the tag match with tag team technically with him and Keith, and they did the whole trilogy with uh, the Acclaim like, to wrap up the year in, but, like, for that good, solid stretch from, like, April to about uh, July, or even August, they had nothing for both Swerve and Keith Lee, so now, seeing both of these guys, and seeing the Mogul Embassy as a whole, just getting the time that they deserve, it's just perfect, to be completely honest, so I'm happy to see that. Now, moving over to the next match that happened, it was a trios match. Blackpool Combat Club's own John Moxley, Willie Yuta, and Claudio Castagnoli will go against Chaos's Chuck Taylor, Tremperetta, and Rocky Romero. Brian Danielson will be on commentary for this. The Blackpool Combat Club would win the match by submission, when John Moxley would make Rocky tap out to the Coquina Clutch, 
while Yuta would hammer elbow Chuck Taylor so Chuck Taylor couldn't interfere. And also, outside of the ring, you will see Trent Perretta try to go for a moonsault on Claudio, but Claudio will catch him with the uppercut. It looked sick. So, Blackpool Comic Club wins the match, and this would be an extension of Brian Danielson going against Okada technically in a chess matchup here because Brian's a part of the Blackpool Combat Club, and he's more of like the coach because you don't ever see him wrestle in the Blackpool Combat Club. You don't ever really get to see him even wrestle anymore in the ring. They're saving Brian for like the specialties, and you just see him more on commentary in either a Claudio match, a Moxley match, or even a Yuta match now, while Okada, he's the head of Chaos, and Okada's over there in New Japan. He's probably going to come over within the next, I'll say, two weeks from now. And you're going to have the stare down between Brian and Okada just for you to sell up the uh, Forbidden Door match. So again, this is a chess match between Blackpool Combat Club and Chaos here. And Brian's group just happens to beat Okada's group. So that's one move up for Brian. Now, after the match, you will have Heyman Page and the Young Bucks appear on the screen and throw out a challenge to the Blackpool Combat Club for a trios match next week. Brian would accept for his group, so we have that match set. Now, after this, we will have the AEW World Champion, MJF, coming down to the ring. And MJF would state that he is bored because there is no competition for him in this company. Adam Cole would then come down to the ring. But MJF will cut off Adam Cole's mic, well, his music, before he can hit his Adam Cole pose. So, here he got the crowd booing him at this point. Adam Cole's smirking a little bit because he knows what MJF is doing. MJF would perk up and say that he finally has some competition and tells Adam that he's a fan of his. MGF would tell him a story for when his fandom was dying when CM Punk left him and he was scrolling his television scene and he saw Adam Cole grace his television and he knew that that was the guy that would save his wrestling fandom and Adam Cole was MGF saving grace. MGF would say that he patterned his career up to a point after Adam Cole, and he would talk about once he knew Adam Cole was going to jump over from the other company to here, he just couldn't wait to have this stare down and confrontation with Adam Cole. Now, I'm about to play you a clip of MJF completely disrespecting Adam Cole after that. Then this guy showed up. What happened to you, man? You used to be the Panama Playboy. Now... You're the Panama Game Boy. You sit at home behind your computer, playing Twitch, hiding from the sun, looking like a virgin golem. Meanwhile, Britt Baker keeps leaving the house with your balls firmly in her purse. And to make matters worse, bud, didn't you used to have the body and the physique of a world champion? Now, no offense, you're so frail, you make crack whores jealous. This company has done everything in its power to make you cool. The lights, the music, the cool t-shirts, the big match opportunities, the girl, your own reality show. You know what they do to make MJF cool? They ring the freaking bell. Sound familiar? Now, Adam Cole, listening to everything MJF had to say, he would get a mic, and Adam Cole... He will retort to MJF. Is that the best that you got? This, this is the great MJF, the guy who verbally destroys people on the microphone. Instead, you're coming across like a toxic social media troll. Truth be told, I think I finally figured it out. 
MJF, you are world class. You're a world class douchebag. And oh my God, my body. How could we not talk about my body? Not like I've heard that one before. You know why you bring that up? Because of my body of work. Uh, the matches that I've had, the interviews that I've done, the world championship reigns that I've had. Max, get real, you can't touch me. But if you really, really do want to go down that road, I got an idea, Max. How about me and you both walk backstage? We both piss in a couple of cups and we see who's natural and who's not. Oh, oh, you don't want to do that? Yeah, I thought so. I know that I've been a bad guy in the past, but as a wrestler, as a man, they respect me, the human being, Adam Cole. You, on the other hand, Max, I don't know how to make this any more clear. I, I swear on my life, there's not a single person back there who respects you. That's an awful lot of tough talk coming from Keith Lee's manager. There it is! Uh, of course, MJF has to create a false narrative to hide from the fact that you're a coward of a champion. And if you were a real champion, you would tell me to shut my mouth and you would fight me. But you're not doing that because you are a coward, you hear me? It's, it's not worth it. It's not worth it, okay? Because I know that I'm wasting my breath. I know everything I'm saying is going to go straight over that dome of yours. So if you remember anything from our little conversation, remember this. You won't fight me because I'm better than you, and they know it. I will wrestle you any day of the week, and I'll beat your ass! boy, champ. Looks like we got ourselves a match. Now, this confrontation between Adam Cole and MJF it is what everybody wanted it to be. People wanted to see Adam Cole versus MJF. Hell, I even said last week, I thought with Chris Jericho and Adam Cole in the mixed tag match, I thought, okay, we're going to get another matchup between Cole and Jericho before they end the rivalry off. And hopefully, Adam Cole goes off to MJF because Adam Cole is a main event talent. Looks like they just bypass what I just said. And they just go directly to Adam Cole going against MGF. And I'm glad they're doing this. Let the Jericho stuff be what it was. And let Adam Cole just go by his way. Now, I like the confrontation that Adam Cole and MGF had here. It was a lot of baseball terms here for the people that are not a part of the internet. And don't go deep further into what's going on in the wrestling uh, business behind the scenes. Um, there were rumors and speculations that Adam Cole... Uh, was going to be Keith Lee's manager in WWE. That's why Adam Cole didn't want to go up to the main roster, and that's the reason why Adam Cole left uh, WWE to go to AEW. People have been coming at Adam Cole's body on the internet saying that he wasn't as the way that he was in NXT. At least in NXT, he was bigger than what he was now. And for Adam Cole to say to MJF, hey, why don't we go back there and piss in a cup and see who comes, who comes out natural and who doesn't, I like that line because you can see the peak Adam Cole and MGF body differences. You can tell Adam Cole's body from NXT to now. Yes, it got smaller, but Adam Cole still looked natural in those photos from NXT photos to even now photos. While MGF, on the opposite hand, you look at him when he started off 2022. And you look at him for where he ended 2022. My man looked at bulkier and slimmed up and cut up. Now, I'm not saying MGF will use any type of steroids, any type of performance enhancers. I'm just saying for Adam Cole to drop that bar and jab at MGF, it was a nice jab because you can, you can like, literally see the difference. It's night and day. 
look at it from CM Punk's match that he had with MGF at the beginning of the year 2022 to look at MGF going against John Moxley, you can literally tell the difference. It is literally night and day. So Cole dropping that line, it was good. And MGF saying, what makes me special, what the company does here, it just rings a freaking bell. It just goes back to the line that Adam Cole threw to Karrion Cross whenever they had their time at NXT. Again, a lot of insider baseball stuff and a lot of history with Adam Cole and all that good stuff. So those two just throwing jabs at each one another. It was perfect. It was what it was. And next week, we will be getting MJF going against Adam Cole in a match in a world championship qualifier. It's basically to say if Adam Cole wins, he's more than likely going to get a shot at the AEW World Championship. So we have that match to look forward to next week on Dynamite. Now, after this, we get a Tornado Tag Texas Death Match between Jungle Hook and LFI. Jungle Hook, which consists of Jungle Boy and Hook, and LFI, which consists of Preston Vance and Drillistico, and they will have Jose the Assistant in their corner. Jungle Hook would win the match by submission when Jungle Hook would make, well, Jungle Boy would make Drillistico tap out in the snare trap. This was a wild match. You had... Uh, chains being used, you had uh, cables uh, being used as weaponry the way that Roosh would do it whenever he wrestles in his matches. Uh, chairs and tables were used. At one point, you saw Hook use a chain to bust open Preston's forehead. Hook within a T-bone suplex, Preston advanced off the ring apron through a table outside of the ring. I mean, this was a violent uh, tornado tag Texas death match, and I liked it. I like seeing blood and wrestling. It reminds me when I was a kid at one point before WWE completely just ripped away the blood from their product unless they like get accidental blood. But now you start seeing blood like not more frequently, but more than the usual on WWE television. So I'm glad they're doing that. But AEW, they bleed and I like it because it brings me back to my childhood and they did that here. Good saw tornado, a uh, Texas uh, death match here. And I'm liking that hook is getting more time on TV. Again, he needs to be on TV more. In 2021, he came out being a star, looking like a star. 2022, he didn't really get to show off himself that much on TV because, again, they want to make him a specialty. But I think now, 2023, they know that we got to put Hook on TV. He needs to have that time, not in the ring, but in front of the people so people can gravitate towards him more. And we need to start propping Hook to be one of those guys that we can lean on in the future. So I'm glad they're doing that with Hook here. Now, after this, we have Kanosuke Takeshita going against a random guy. Don Callis would be in Takeshita's corner. Takeshita would win the match by pinfall by hitting a running, jumping knee to win the match up here. After the match, Don would get a microphone and get in the ring. And Don would repeat what he said last week, that he plans on cutting the elite out of AEW with his family. And he points at Takeshita. Still... My question is, who else besides Takeshita is going to join Don and trying to take out the elite out of AEW? I don't see the Blackpool Combat Club joining Don, to be honest. So who else besides Takeshita is going to help out? It still has not been revealed. Hopefully, they start planting the seeds for that. Because I just don't think one man's going to do it himself. So hopefully, as time goes by, we get more people joining Don Callis and Takeshita. Now, after this, we have a TBS Championship matchup. Champion Chris Statlander going against Anna Jay. Chris would win the match by pinfall by hitting a tombstone pile driver to retain her championship. Taya would be in the back, and we would see her looking upset at Chris Stanlander retained her championship. Again, Taya Valkyrie, she's gaining 
more and more aggravated because you could see it in her face because she was the one that weakened Jay Cargill at Double or Nothing and Chris Statlander. She just came in, swooped, and took out a weakened Jay Cargill to win the TBS Championship and kill the reign of Jade. So Taya, I can see her getting more and more upset. Taya has not spoken yet, and I just can't wait for Taya to just speak and just tell everybody what's on her mind because I just want her to actually say it. I'm the woman that helped you beat Jay Cargo. Essentially, I'm the woman that beat Jay Cargo that gave you that freaking title. So I want that to happen so we can at least get Taya's ball rolling against Chris Statlander so we can make this thing, well, get going. Now, to the main event, uh, FTR and Juice Robinson will be barred, banned from ringside as Jay White went against Ricky Starks. Jay White would win the match by pinfall thanks to the guns. When Ricky Starks would hit the Rochambeau, Jay's feet would hit the referee, knocking the referee down. Ricky would pin Jay White. The ref would not be up to get the pinfall here, but this would allow the guns to come to the ring and hit Ricky Starks with 310 to Yuma, and this would lay Ricky Starks out. The guns would leave the ring, go through the crowd, and Jay White would get to his feet grab Ricky and hit the Blade Runner, then cover Ricky Starks to win the matchup here. So Jay White has another victory over Ricky Starks. After the match, Juice Robinson would come down, start gloating in Ricky Starks' face, and you would see at the end of Dynamite, Jay White and Juice Robinson just celebrating. So I have a feeling that the guns are going to be joining Bullet Club. It makes sense. Young guys needing uh, a place, needing a group to be propped up, and with the backing of the name like Bullet Club to help out the guns, I think it's going to help propel them up more, because again, as I said before, at the end of 2022, I think the guns are a tag team that AEW is going to be focusing on, because they're one of the young tag teams that could help rebuild the tag team division of AEW. AEW has a solid tag division, but I feel that right now, you got to have some tag teams like on the burner, just waiting for them to bubble up so that you can just plug them in as your tag champions. FTR, they're your tag champions. And we know they're going to be with Punk. That's just what it is. But who's going to be going after them? That's just the whole point. Jay White, he's a main event guy. I don't see him really going at the tag title. So having the guns basically be under the Jay White and go after the tag titles of FTR, it just seems like a good way. And also, again, the Bullet Club name. Why not help out the guns with adding them to that uh, legacy and lineage of Bullet Club? So, again, it has nothing has been confirmed yet. Nothing has been official, but hopefully it will be made official. The guns joining Bullet Club Gold, but we will have to see. Now, with that, that is your AEW Dynamite Wrestling Highlights of the Week. Moving over to Impact Wrestling, we will start off with a one-on-one matchup between Chris Bay and Jason Hotch. They will have their tag partners in each of their corners. Chris Bay will have Ace Austin in his. Jason Hodge will have John Schuyler in his. And also Brian Myers. Chris Bay would win the match by pinfall by countering a pin from Hodge into his own for the win. After the match, John Schuyler and Brian Myers would get in the ring and attack Chris Bay. Ace Austin would get in the ring and try to help out, but the numbers were too much for him. Brian would hit Ace with the roster cut to lay him out. Brian would then throw Bay to Skyler, and Skyler and Hotch would hit their tag finisher, which is a Samoan drop and a rolling neckbreaker combo at the same time to lay out Chris Bay. 
You will then see Jason Hodge and John Schuyler hold up the Impact Tag Team titles over Ace and Bay. So that indicates what they're gunning for. They're going after the Impact Tag Team Championships. We will have to wait and see if they're going to win the Tag Team titles at Against All Odds. Now, after this, we will have Heath going against Champagne Sink. With Shira in his corner, Heath would win the match by pinfall by hitting the wake-up call for the win. After this, we would have Joe Hendry going against Sheldon Jean with Kenny King in his corner. Joe Hendry would win the match by pinfall by hitting a standing ovation, which is a one-handed uh, uplifting spine buster on Sheldon Jean to win the match. After the match, Hendry will call out Dirty Dango. Dango will come out and he will stand on the entrance stage and he would cut the typical bad guy promo saying that he hates uh, pro wrestling, he hates the fans, he doesn't get paid by Impact to fight uh, Hendry tonight. He already has their match at against all odds, so he doesn't understand why Hendry called him out. Hendry would tell Dango that he didn't call him out for a fight. He would say that he finally got to the root of why Dirty Dango has turned into such a grouch. And then you will see Hendry play a mockery video, the same one that he's been playing against all his rivals, ones of Matt Cardona and one of Moose. And this one is no exception. He would eventually call Dirty Dango a reject on Total Divas. Apparently on the Total Divas show, uh, Dango tried to sleep with Summer Rae and Eva Marie. He got rejected and he talked about how Dango's career technically hasn't lived up to the hype that it was supposed to when he won against Chris Jericho at Mania in his first match to him just leading down the path of him teaming up with uh, Tyler Breeze. I believe if you go to Impact Wrestling's YouTube account, you can look at the video and you can see the mockery video. And again, this is the same style of video that he's been doing against all his rivals. Again, Matt Cardona, he called him Edge's bitch. Uh, Moose, he just had him as Dancing Moose when Moose was supposed to be the serious guy. I mean, Joe Henry, that's his specialty. From his time in the independence, he would do that against every rival that he went against. And when he wanted to make a special entrance, he would have a special entrance video. This is no exception. And I'm glad that Henry is an impact so he can showcase himself. And again, I'm surprised WWE isn't really going after someone like Joe Henry. Because Joe Henry's creativity and the way that he can make spoof uh, music videos, that would be a hit on WWE programming. Literally, WWE is all about entertainment, and Henry is literally giving you entertainment quality every time. Just imagine him with a mockery video of the bloodline of a Roman Reigns or a Cody Rhodes or any other people, or even someone like The Miz. He can excel at that. That's only if WWE wants him. So, again, Henry being an impact is a great time for him to be there so he can showcase his stuff and get him on a platform for someone like a WWE or even an AEW to want to hire him once his uh, contract with Impact is up. Anyway, back to Impact. After the video would play, Dango would uh, feel the way about the video. Kenny King and Sheldon Jean would attack Joe Henry from behind. Dango would join in on the beatdown. Santino Morella, he would run down to the ring. Both Kenny King and Dango would leave the ring. Sheldon Jean wouldn't know he's by himself because he was stepping to Santino. When Sheldon found out he was left alone, Joe Hendry would be standing behind him. Sheldon would turn around and start pleading with Hendry not to hit him. And this would allow Santino to put the Cobra on and then strike Sheldon, dropping him. So, that's the end of this. On to the next match, Impact Knockouts Tag Team Championship matchup. 
Death Dolls, Courtney Rush, and Jessica Havoc, going against the Covens, Kylie King, and Taylor Wilde. The Coven would retain their tag team championships by pinfall when Courtney Rush would have Taylor Wilde locked in the sharpshooter, and Taylor would tap, but the referee did not see it, thanks to Kylie King attacking Jessica Havoc outside of the ring. Courtney would let go of the hold and grab Kylie by her hair. Kylie would then grab Courtney's head and drop her head on the second rope. This will allow Taylor to grab Courtney, hold her up, and Kylie King will get in the ring and hit her with a big boot. This will allow Taylor to cover Courtney Rush to win and retain their tag team championships. After this, we have the exhibition champion Trey Miguel going against Bupinder Gujir. Trey Miguel would win the match by pinfall by hitting the lightning spiral. Solid match between the two. Then after the match, Trey Miguel will get a mic and say that he is a generational talent. Generational talent has been overused too much. You have MGF saying he's a generational talent. You have Carmelo Hayes saying he's a generational talent. Trey Miguel saying he's a generational talent. I get it. Generational talents just being thrown out here and there. I'm just kind of getting tired of that phrase alone. So I hope we uh, just leave it to one person and person MJF. He can use that because he's the one that brought that kind of generational talent phrase to the forefront of wrestling. So hopefully we get back to just him using that. Anyway, I digress. Trey would say that he's a generational talent and he would talk about all he hears in the back is yeah, but when it pertains to him. Trey will say there should be no yeah buts because he has defended the exhibition championship and retained them in the Ultimate X match, the Monsters Ball, and defeated an eight times former exhibition champion Chris Sabin, which he plans on doing again, so he would no longer be hearing the yeah buts. So Trey is looking out to carve out his own destiny and legacy as being one of the greatest, or if not the greatest, X-Division champion ever in Impact's history. So that's what he plans on doing when he defeats uh, Chris Saban again at Against All Odds. Now, we move over to the main event tag matchup here. Moose and Rich Swan going against Jonathan Gresham and Nick Aldis. Moose and Rich Swan would win the match by pinfall when Rich was looking to hit Gresham with a Phoenix Splash. Moose would tag himself in. This would lead to an argument between Rich and Moose because Moose would be doing that all throughout the match and Rich finally got tired of it, and you would then see Gresham go over to Rich, powerbomb Rich Swan. Gresham would then pin Rich, but the ref would tell Gresham that Rich isn't the legal man. Moose would then come in, powerbomb Gresham, then cover him to win the match. Now, after the match, you would see Jonathan Gresham and Rich Swan start arguing with Moose. Um, Moose would then hit both men. Now, a brawl would ensue with Jonathan Gresham, Rich Swan, uh, Nick Aldis, Moose, uh, PCO will come out, uh, Bully Ray will come out, and Heath will come out. Now, in the end, it will be PCO, Bully Ray, and Nick Aldis standing on top. Well, be the last three men standing because you would see all the guys fighting outside except for PCO. PCO would run the ropes and hit a cannonball like through the middle ropes onto the men outside but Nick Aldis and Bully Ray would move out of the way so Moose, Heath, Rich, and Jonathan Gresham would take the impact from this so as I said before Bully Ray, Nick Aldis, and PCO would be the last three men standing because this goes into their against all odds 8-4-1 matchup where the winner will be getting a number one contenders uh, opportunity against the impact world champion so we have to wait and see who will be the number one contender after against all odds now, with that, that is your Impact Wrestling, Wrestling Highlights of the Week. Now, we move over to SmackDown. Before I get to SmackDown, I do have to pay condolences to the Iron Sheik. I meant to do that earlier in the show, but 
Iron Sheik, the wrestling legend, the former WWF or WWWF uh, champion. He passed away this week. Um, I don't know what more to say. I kind of grew up like in the years after him. I knew that he was a legend in the world of WWE, so that's why I knew of Iron Sheik. The only thing I can basically say is more thing is that he hated Hulk Hogan. He would tweet that a lot that he hates Hulk Hogan and that's all I didn't know about the man. So if you want to do more research on Iron Sheik or you want to know more about him, you can do that. More than likely, probably listen to Jim Cornette's uh, podcast. Or if you want to go to YouTube and type in Jim Cornette, Iron Sheik, he gives a little uh, retrospect on Iron Sheik's career. So go and listen to that. So that's that on Iron Sheik. But again, rest in peace to the WWE legend. Also, next week on SmackDown, there will be a tag team gauntlet where the winners will be the number one contenders for the Unified Tag Team Championships. Now, to start SmackDown off, we will have Sol Sokoa and Paul Heyman in the ring. They will be interrupted by Jay Uso just off top. Jay will come to the ring. Jay will get at Solo for stabbing Jimmy in the back last week. Jay will tell Paul to say what he has to say. Paul will tell Jay that he's got this all wrong. All of this out, like, chaos is because of Jimmy. This is Jimmy's fault because he made up not just his mind, but also Jay's mind into turning his back on the bloodline. Paul would ask Jay, was he in on Jimmy kicking Roman at Night of Champions? Paul would say, no, no, you weren't in on it because Jimmy is jealous of you. Paul would try to make Jay turn on Jimmy and start being manipulative and say that Jimmy was in on something that you weren't. And it's the fact that Roman is trying to groom you to be the next tribal chief. And Jimmy is jealous of that, and he has always been jealous of you. And to prove it, I have a match set up for you tonight. You will be given the opportunity to bring gold to the bloodline. Not tag team gold, because the Usos, the tag team, they're dead. It's gone. You have the opportunity to bring home United States Championship gold, because tonight you will be going against Austin Theory. So, Paul would tell Jay that he needs his answer on whether he is with the bloodline right now. Jay would say that he takes this offer of the championship matchup, but Paul would extend his hand out and Jay would just look at it in confusion and tell Paul that he would get back to him on that and then leave the ring. Now, you see Paul in Solo looking confused, Solo more like upset-wise, Paul confused as he just watches Jay goes to the back. Now, later in the night, Jay would be, well, confronted twice. The first one is by Sami Zayn. Sami tells Jay that Jay has two choices he has to make. Either one, he goes with his brother Jimmy, and they can be the Usos, and they can just lead the bloodline. Or, he can listen to Paul and go down that path and leave his brother Jimmy, and there'll be no more Usos. Sami would tell Jay that he needs to listen to his heart and not listen to no one else. The second segment would be Jay in his locker room and he would be getting himself together. Paul Heyman will walk in. Paul will tell Jay that he needs his passport and suit measurements. The passport, because he would be riding the private jet with the tribal chief, Paul and Solo to Money in the Bank, and suit measurements for next week when Roman Reigns will be here on SmackDown and Roman will publicly acknowledge that he will be grooming Jay to become the next tribal chief. Paul would again extend his hand out to Jay and Paul will be smiling at this because he thinks he has Jay wrapped around his finger with the whole acknowledgement going to be the next tribal chief. 
Jay will be smiling and he will tell Paul that he likes the idea, but he doesn't understand why Paul is smiling because if he's in the bloodline, then Paul is going to be out the bloodline. So you see the conundrum that we're having right now with Jay, the bloodline, and Paul Heyman, all this stuff happening. So we'll have to wait and see by the end of the night what's going to happen with Jay, Solo, and Paul. Now, the first match on SmackDown will be a Money in the Bank qualifying matchup between Santos Escobar and Mustafa Ali. Santos would win the match by pinfall by hitting the Phantom Driver for the second turnbuckle, so Santos would advance to Money in the Bank. After this, we will have Alba Fire and Isla Dog coming down to the ring. They are still holding the NXT Women's Tag Team Championships when they do, and they will be interrupted by the WWE Women's Tag Team Champions, Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler. Shayna will say that she is the reason the NXT Women Tag Team Championships were even made, which is a fact, by the way, because in 2021, uh, at the time, Raquel Rodriguez and Dakota Kai, they won the Dusty's Tag Team Classic for the women's, and they were supposed to go against Nia and Shayna Baszler. Nia and Shayna, they cheated in their matchup, and at the time, NXT, they felt that Raquel and Dakota got an unfair shake, so that's when they created the NXT Women Tag Team Championships. So, Shayna is telling the truth here. Ronda would say that her and Shayna have ran through the tag team division, and they are hungry, and they want those championships. Abba and Isla would accept the challenge for a championship unification match, so Abba and Isla would strike first, but Ronda and Shayna would get the advantage, but in the end, Abba and Isla would stand tall and get the advantage over Shayna and Ronda, and that in two weeks, that match would take place on SmackDown. Now, after this, we have another Money to Bank qualifying matchup. It's Bailey with EO in her corner going against Mia Yim. AJ Styles will be on commentary for this. Bailey would win the match by pinfall by hitting Mia Yim with the Rose Plant to win the match. After the match, AJ was upset at this, and you will see Scarlett walk up to him and then blow a red mist right in his face. AJ would be blinded by this, and he wouldn't see Karrion Cross coming behind the barricade and locking in the cross jacket on AJ. Mia will leave the ring. Cross will let go of the hold, grab Scarlet, hop her over the barricade, and they will leave. Now, a match will be set for next week. Mixed tag match, Karrion Cross and Scarlet going against AJ Styles and Mia Yim. After this, we will have Adam Pearce coming out here so Asuka can have her championship uh, presentation. It's basically the same thing they did with Roman. Uh, Asuka comes out. She hands Adam Pearce the Raw Women's Championship. Asuka is presented with a new Women's Championship. And is the same title as Roman, but it's with uh, white leather. And Asuka is just now known as the Women's Champion. So I don't know if Rhea Ripley is going to be known as the Women's Champion on Raw or not. Or probably have to wait and see on Raw what's going to happen with that. But Asuka is given a new title. Um, Pierce would put the title around Oscar's waist, then Charlotte Flair would make a surprise return. They wouldn't make note on commentary that Charlotte hasn't been around since her loss to Rhea Ripley at WrestleMania, and that's correct. So, this is the first time we've seen Charlotte back since Mania. Charlotte would come to the ring. Pierce would say he knows what Charlotte's trying to do, but Charlotte needs to get in line. Charlotte would tell Pierce that she doesn't wait in line. She made the line. Charlotte would challenge Oscar to a match. Oscar would accept. Oscar would try to blow Mist into Charlotte's face, but Miss Charlotte would hit Oscar with a big boot. Oscar would roll out of the ring and then retreat to the back. Now, later in the night, Adam Pierce would be in his office and he'd be on his phone. 
and he would say that Charlotte versus Asuka the night before Money in the Bank would be great. So that match gets made official three weeks from now. But he turns around and Bianca Belair is standing there. Now Bianca is standing there looking kind of peeved because earlier in the night, Bianca will be in the back and Adam Pearce would tell Bianca, listen, you're going to get your rematch with Asuka, but I need you to not come out there and try to beat up on Asuka when it's her time to get this new championship. So Bianca would say, fine, cool. Now Bianca's hearing that Charlotte's going to get a match. Bianca's kind of peeved at this. Pierce would tell Bianca, listen, you still get your championship rematch. You're still going to have that match. But Charlotte versus Asuka is going to happen. Just trust me, you just got to buy me some time. Bianca will tell Pierce, listen, that's fine. That's cool. But when I get my lick back on Asuka, it's going to be justified. So Bianca is still gunning for the championship. Well do, but you do know that probably Bianca's going to cost uh, Charlotte the matchup in three weeks and probably have money to beg. It'll be a triple threat for the women's championship between all three of the ladies. So that's something to look forward to. Now, after this, we have another money to make qualified matchup between Butch and Baron Corbin. Trick Williams and Carmella Hayes will be in the attendance for this matchup. Before the match started, Baron would talk trash to Melo and Trick about beating up Melo two weeks ago up on NXT and about beating Trick on NXT this week. Butch would win the match by a pinfall when Baron would go for a chokeslam, but uh, Butch would catch him in an armbar pinning maneuver, and that's how Butch would win the match. So, right now, in the Money in the Bank, it is Santos, Ricochet, Nakamura, LA Knight, and now Butch. Now, after this, you would see Baron go up to Trick and Mello, and Baron will try to cheap shot Trick, and he does do it successfully. Trick and Mello would try to get at Baron, but backstage referees and officials would come out to separate everyone to make sure that doesn't happen. So Baron is still going to NXT. He's still causing problems with Mello and Trick, and that's going to be the thing with Baron going forward. Now, after this, we have another Money in the Bank qualified matchup. Shotzi going against Io Sky with Bailey in her corner. Io would win the match by pinfall thanks to Bailey. When the referee was not looking, he was looking at the Io after Shotzi pushed Io off the top turnbuckle. This allowed Bailey to push Shotzi off the top turnbuckle. Shotzi's head would hit the top turnbuckle coming down. Io would then go to the top turnbuckle, hit a moonsault to win the matchup here. So, Right now, in the Women's Money in the Bank, it is Bailey, Zoe Starks, Becky Lynch, Selena Vega, and now EO Sky. Now, turning to the main event for the U.S. Championship, it'll be Jay Uso going against Austin Theory. Austin Theory would win the match by pinfall thanks to shenanigans. Jay Uso would superkick Austin Theory. Austin Theory would land on the referee. This would knock out the ref and take the ref out. You will see Jay Uso go to the top turnbuckle, hit Austin Theory with the Uso splash. No referees there to make the fall. So then you will see Pretty Deadly come out. Pretty Deadly would go to the ring apron, and Jay will try to attack Pretty Deadly, but Pretty Deadly would attack Jay Uso. Now you will see Jimmy Uso run down to the ring. Jimmy Uso would attack Pretty Deadly, super kick both of them, and then you see Sol Sokoa run down to the ring. Solo will start beating up on Jimmy because, again, Jimmy turned his back on the bloodline. Solo will look to hit Jimmy with the Samoan spike, but Jay will get up. Jay will grab Solo. Solo will push Jay off of him. This will allow Jimmy to try to hit Solo with a super kick. Solo would move, and 
Jimmy would inadvertently hit Jay with the super kick. Jimmy and Solo would continue to fight outside of the ring. Austin Theory would then sneak in. Theory would pin Jay to win the match and retain his United States Championship. After the match, you see Solo standing right next to Paul. Jimmy Uso's in the ring trying to console Jay, trying to apologize for the super kick. Jay's just sitting there because he realized that his opportunity of becoming a United States champion winning his first singles championship in WWE just went up in smoke. Jay would get up. He'll push Jimmy off of him. And again, Jimmy's still trying to apologize. Jay isn't trying to hear it. He leaves the ring. Jay will look at Solo. He'll look at Paul. He'll look at Jimmy. And then he'll just throw his hands up and just walk to the back. Paul would tell Jay, hey, I'm sorry. I tried to tell you. And when Jay walks past him, you see Paul hit a devilish, like, gremlin-style, like, smile. And he would get his phone and he would say, call Roman Reigns. And you would just see him then look at Jimmy Uso because Paul's plan is looking like it's working. He's causing dissension between Jay and Jimmy. And next week, we'll have to see if Jay is going to be with the Bloodline officially because Roman Reigns will be on SmackDown. And that would be the quote-unquote acknowledgement of Roman trying to groom Jay Uso to be the next tribal chief. But we will have to wait and see what's going to happen next week on SmackDown. And with that, that is your SmackDown Wrestling Highlights of the Week. Moving over to AEW Rampage. We'll start off with a trios matchup. Lucha Brothers and Bandito going against Big Bill, Lee Moriarty, and Ethan Page. Lucha Brothers and Bandito would win the match by pinfall thanks to the Hardys. When Ethan Page was going for the Eagle's Edge on Bandito, the Hardys would come out. Matt would tell Ethan to extend the armbands that Jeff gave him. Ethan would reluctantly do it, but when he does, this will allow Bandito to hit the 21-plex, which is a rebound German suplex for the win for his team. So Ethan Page got the loss for his team thanks to the Hardys because Matt Hardy owns Ethan Page's contract. That's the reason why Ethan did what Matt Hardy told him to do. Now, after this, we have Powerhouse Hobbs going against Caleb Crush. Powerhouse would win the match by pinfall by hitting a spine buster for the win. Then we have another trios match, the Spanish announced project team, which is uh, God, Angelico, Luther, and Serpentico going against the Acclaimed and Billy Gunn. The Acclaimed and Billy would win the match by pinfall when the Acclaimed would hit their tag finish on Luther for the win. Then we move off to our main event. Fatal 4-Way matchup, Britt Baker, Sky Blue, Nyla Rose, Mercedes Martinez, where the winner will be facing Tony Storm for the AEW Women's Championship on next week's episode of AEW Dynamite. In this match, we will have Sky Blue come out victorious when she will hit Code Blue on Nyla Rose for the win. So, Sky Blue will be going against Tony Storm for the AEW Women's Championship on next week's episode of AEW Dynamite. It's a uh, feel-good moment here because... People have seen Sky Blue come from the bottom in AEW as enhancement talent to getting signed to working her way up. And now she's at this point where she can go against uh, Tony for the AEW Women's Championship. Even though she's going to put on a good match with Tony, I have a feeling they're going to do that on uh, next week's episode of Dynamite. I still have a feeling that Sky Blue isn't going to win the matchup here. But I want Sky Blue to have a good showing and for her to still be on that right track for one day for her to be a AEW Women's Champion, that's the total plan for Sky Blue 
at least in my eyes, where I see uh, AEW and Tony Khan just constantly investing into Sky Blue so they can put her up as champion one day. Now, that is your AEW Rampage uh, Wrestling Highlights of the Week, and that is it. Um, I don't think there's anything else for me to, to talk about. I do want to mention one thing. Collision. AEW Collision is next week. Main event, FTR, CM Punk, Jay White, Juice Robinson, Samojo, six-man tag match. I do not know how I'm going to go to uh, cover this. I don't know if I'm going to cover it on my Wednesday episode for the midweek breakdown so they can give you guys a refresher, of course, before you guys head over into the uh, Dynamite that Wednesday night after the fact. I have no idea. I will have to think about it as this week goes by, but something we've got to give. I have no idea. I cover literally wrestling every single night of the week. And Saturday being the next night with Collision, I have no idea how I'm going to do this. Uh, So bear with me on that one. But that is my whole thought on Collision. I'm still going to be watching it. I'll probably be tweeting it out, but I just don't know how I'm going to get that out there to you guys on this programming. So, uh, yeah, I'm just going to be thinking how I'm going to do that. But anyway, just letting you guys know some uh, behind-the-scenes ideas of what I'm thinking on. But anyway, with that being said, this has been your Wrestling Highlights of the Week, presented by my two cents podcast, hosted by G2. He is I, not him. I love you all. Have a great Saturday. Please be blessed. And for everyone that lives in the uh, States with the smoke from Canada's wildfire, please be careful out there. Please have your mask on and uh, just, again, be safe as you guys do about your Saturdays. Now, with that, I'll see you guys next week. Love y'all.